Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710, the home for world football in Southern California. I am your host, Dave Denholm. And oh, what a show we have for you. Happy holidays to you and yours. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and your family. I cannot wait. What's on tap tonight here on Soccer Weekly is sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. And I am honored and privileged to have in the studio a special guest with you, really a special co-host, essentially. He is my former co-host on a, a podcast that uh, many people remember fondly, including myself, Three for a Win, and he is Carlos Torres. Carlos, thanks so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays, man. Good to see you. Happy holidays, Dave. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I do want to. I don't think we had a setup this great in yeah. the past, but yeah. <laughs> no, this is better it. than our uh, podcast studio, to say the least. You and I opening up a, a computer and uh, jumping on Skype together. Yep. That was the only beef that people had with us, really. Let's be honest. Uh, our podcast, Three for a Win, which was very unique, Carlos, and I know, and I give you a lot of credit for that. You were a, a cutting edge uh, when we started that a few years ago, well, several years ago now. And it was three shorter podcasts each day, Monday through Friday, three, like eight three to topics. ten minutes. Yeah, three different topics, yep. one topic per, boom, you load them all down, you do your workout, you can listen to all three. If you only want to listen to one and you hate the other topic, you skip it. It was brilliant. And people responded to it. The audio quality was like awful from my end because I was too lazy. <laughs> Skype. You Skype had the audio. nice setup. Yeah, you still do. You have a great setup. And uh, yeah, I'm a lazy sports talk show host. But hey. We got the message across, and I'm just happy to be here. It's like a three-for-a-win reunion here, so uh, good to see you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Now, the reason we stopped that is one of the reasons you're here, in fact, is Carlos. uh, Sadly, we had to stop the three-for-a-win podcast, but for a very good reason. Carlos professionally moved on to a fantastic job with Cal South, which, of course, for a lot of people in Southern California, fully aware of that if they're in the world of soccer, which many of our fans here but talk a little bit about that. You take a job. Tell me, what do you do for CalSouth, and what is CalSouth? Well, let's start with what CalSouth is. CalSouth is the the official state association for soccer here in Southern California under the U.S. soccer banner. Uh, there are 53, I believe, associations around the country. Uh, a state like California has two of them, nice. one in Northern California and one down here. And we're essentially the governing body for youth and adult soccer here in Southern California. The 53 of them, so does like Texas have more than one Texas since it's so big? Two, New York has two, I believe, uh, and California has okay. two. Okay, that makes sense. Now, that, the thing that I learned right off the jump when I was talking to you about even when you were considering taking this job is Cal South is – it's not just for kids. You know what I mean? That's what I thought. When, I, when you hear soccer association, you think, oh, from U4 all the way up to U17 maybe or something. But it's well beyond that. Yeah, it's for adults too. Uh, we're also under the USASA banner, mm-hmm. the United States Adult Soccer Association, and uh, they they essentially give us the power to to govern um, and to govern soccer here in Southern California for both youth and adults, and to sanction tournaments for both youth and adults. And I was brought into Cal South to be the head of our creative department. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a slow process. There's been a lot of change within the organization. We're trying to get to a point where we're essentially just just moving forward, uh, you know, as quickly as possible, as best as possible for the growth of the sport. Our mission is obviously just to grow the sport in every way possible. And I've been brought in to completely uh, help advance that through branding, through marketing, through uh, social media, through websites. So there's a lot of new uh, branding initiatives coming uh, in the new year, 
new website, uh, new social media programs and campaigns. So it, it's really exciting. It's been, it's been a great, great time at Calsa. We will definitely be digging deeper into that here on Soccer Weekly here this week on ESPN LA 710. But we're going to jump in. This is essentially, I mean, it's not officially the year in review, but we got a lot to talk about, Carlos. Since we're coming up on 2018, we want to look back, get your thoughts on a lot of this stuff, and really kind of put a bow, pun intended, on the soccer year that is 2017. Soccer Weekly uh, is in Season 2 here. It's been an awesome. We, we jumped back into this right around May uh, after the first season in 2016. So I've, I've just had a great time doing it. But there's a lot to talk about. Carlos, let's take a look at some of the you know good, bad, and ugly of 2017. And there was plenty, plenty of, of that. each one. Yeah, in, in, in 2017. We won't, we won't shy away from any of those categories. Unfortunately... We got to start with the the worst, the ugliest of the ugly, because it was the biggest thing that happened to U.S. soccer. It was the United States men's team missing the World Cup for the first time since the '80s, essentially, right? I mean, well, the '90s actually, but uh, or no, we got it in 1990, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, 1990. Oh, that's when the cycle the began. Oh, this is it's still painful, Carlos. I couldn't watch the World Cup draw. I, I don't know what I'm going to do when it comes. I mean, seriously. I love the World Cup. I am going to be in such agony and ex- like it's just it's such a dichotomy when June and July roll around this year. I mean, the problem there is we've seen what the fever is like when yes. the World Cup rolls around. Uh, For people it, who don't even care about soccer, they exactly. get the fever. I mean, you know? everybody talks about the sport not being important here in the states, but it, it's a, it's such a growing sport. And every time the World Cup came around. You saw it. You saw more hope. You saw, you know, things are just going to get better from now on. And you're going to have that void, essentially, uh, when the World Cup starts. And that's the unfortunate thing, yeah. mainly for the fans, really. Can I be honest with you? There's one thing that ticks me off about you and some other, a lot of other people here in Southern California. I'll be perfectly honest. I- I'm mad at you for something. <laughs> If I I'm mad at you for something, too. We're only seven minutes into the, <laughs> to the reunion of Three for Win. I'm mad at you that I was born in America. Because you were not born, you were born in Colombia, right? So you have That's your right. team that you can root for in the World Cup. Like so many other people can go, you know what? I love the U.S. I hope they would get there, but my team is Colombia, for your instance, in other words. Sure is. You actually have, yeah, you have your country in the stinking World Cup that I don't. And a great group, too. Oh, yeah. Colombia is unbelievable. We'll definitely talk more about that for sure. You had to feel very comfortable. I didn't watch the draw, Carlos. Too painful. It's one of my favorite days of the sports calendar every four years, whenever the draw comes up, which is, of course, the calendar year before the World Cup in December. I couldn't watch it. And you that had to be a great day for you. Yeah, watched it live, was was doing WhatsApp with my family in Colombia because oh. we're, we're waiting, where the heck is Colombia going to land in this? <laughs> and we ended up getting a very, very sweet draw. Talk about sure. those teams real quick, though. They're, they're, uh, let's see, Poland. Yeah, in your estimate. I mean, they're, Poland's tricky. They're, they're, they can... They have the potential to be very good. They do. But they also could fall on their face and miss when, out on going to the round you have Lewandowski up front, anything can happen. Uh, but they've, they've never really accomplished much beyond yep. really having Lewandowski in their team. Uh, but they have a good set of players. I think Japan is in our team, in our, in our group. Tunisia is in our group also. So, I mean, Colombia... They have to get out of that group. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any excuse for not getting out of that group. That's the weird thing about it, though, Carlos. I think any of those four could go. Now, with two teams advancing, in case you don't know that, obviously the World Cup, four teams in each group, two of them advance. Yes, Colombia would have to be the favorite out of those four to advance, at least one of those two spots. But anybody could get out of that, With two, even Tunisia, who 
African qualifying is brutal, yep. and they made it through. Japan is Japan so technically is gifted. I mean, tricky. They really are. That's the yeah. word for it in terms of how do you beat them. Yep. They can, they can definitely scrape, but they could come in last in that group, too. They could. Because at times, they can't find the back of the net. So, yeah, it's an interesting group. They're fast, tricky, but, like, I mean, Colombia's got the talent. I mean, there's Fal- Fal- Falcao should be healthy this yeah. time around. There's no reason why they can't get out See, of this group. kills me, though. I can't talk about the group the U.S. is in because we're not there. Oh, it's going to be a brutal, and this was a brutal qualification, Carlos. We've been seeing it for two years, you and I, and that's what I tell people all the time. You diehards who happen to be listening right now, you know this. For those of you who just love great radio and listen every week and don't really know much about soccer, this is why I keep telling you to pay attention to the qualifiers. You don't qualify, you don't go. And we always thought that was a joke that, oh, it would never happen again to the U.S. Of course it was going to happen sometime. I just didn't think it was this cycle. Yeah, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing there is that you know, there's been we've been wanting change in this country for such a long time when it comes to U.S. soccer. You know, why why do they perform the way they do? Why do they kind of fall short in so many ways? And the the, the fear was, you know, maybe they, they have to miss a World Cup for something to change, for yeah. something to happen. And unfortunately, that reality is now. Yeah, I wanted it to be 20 years from now when <laughs> things got really bad. You know, I didn't want it to get bad this bad this fast. But you're right. And, you know, you have to look at four of the positives. Even though it's not a positive to miss the World Cup, it just isn't. You're, you you would always want to make it. But you have to start looking for the positives, which is looking ahead to this USSF election coming up, what is it, February, I think, yeah. early February. We have the eight candidates. We've talked about them here on Soccer Weekly. We won't break down each and every one by any means. But, Carlos, we need change, as crazy as that sounds. It seems like a cliche. It seems like a political cliche. When you miss the World Cup, Change has to happen. Some kind of change has to happen. Yes, of course. There, you right. can't just make keep the status quo after that. Now, you can say, well, Bruce Arena resigned. Not fast enough. He shouldn't have been on the plane back from Trinidad. Let's talk about the qualification itself, right? We know the change is going to happen. I've outlined who I want. I'm, I've supported Eric Winalda. Just for the record, like Cal South has a vote, right? It, all the all these all the federations, associations have a, vote, yeah. have a vote. And then there's some people, who individuals who have votes, like former players, things. It's too convoluted to get to. I don't even know who, you know, like, but I do know, studying it a little bit, that all the associations have a vote. We need change. I've supported Eric Winalda. That's fine. Good luck. If you support another candidate and you really feel passionate about it, that's great. That's the point. We need to start paying attention. And that's what I take out of this upcoming election, is we have to just start paying attention now, year in and year out. You know what I mean? We can't just let, oh, somebody's going to run it for the next 20 years. That's ridiculous. Well, and unfortunately, this is what's, what it's come to, to realize that the sport is such a growing yes. sport and that it's so important in this country. Because look at the turmoil and look at the change that people are asking for. Uh, maybe that's one of the positives that we that's realize exactly, right. exactly we how, how important the sport is. We have to turn it into a positive. You've got to take the darkest day in the history of soccer in America, which was that day we didn't qualify this time, and we have to turn it into a positive going forward. Not just in 18, not just in that election, but in 20 and 22 and 24. It has to be a positive. We'll talk more about some of the positives that happened in 2017, including a brilliant MLS Cup and an MLS run for one team. I'm Dave Denholm, in with co-host, my uh, old buddy from 3 for a Win, Carlos Torres. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710 is brought to you by our good friends at Puente Hills Toyota. Puente Hills Toyota. Check out 
PuenteHillsToyota.com for your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE. We appreciate the folks at Puente Hills Toyota and their support here of Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm along with my former co-host at 3 for a Win, the best podcast that ever existed until Soccer Weekly came out. All deference to you, Carlos Torres. Carlos, and uh, Carlos works for Cal South, major organization when it comes to uh, United States football here, soccer in America, certainly in the Southern California region. And Carlos, one of the things that always jumps out to me is how many people that we know in the world of soccer that started in Cal South. It's like a who's who. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing thing because before I went to work for Cal South, I had little to no knowledge about Cal South. Yeah, As absolutely. soon as you start working there, you're like <laughs> blown away. You name it, they've come to Cal South. Balboa, Winalda, Alex Morgan, Shannon McMillan, uh, name it. Yeah, we could spend Kristen an hour Press. just naming yeah. huge names Winalda, through here. Paul Caligiuri, uh, Siggy Schmidt, you, coaches, players, yeah. referees, you, well, you name them, and they've the come to Cal bed. South. This is soccer in America. I, I always say that L.A., is the market in America certainly for soccer? So why wouldn't Southern California, with San Diego and all the areas you know to and from, all the way up towards Northern Cal? Of course, this is the hotbed of soccer in America. Very proud to have produced so much talent. Yeah, I mean, no the names doubt. are endless. Well, and they're producing Carlos Torres now, who's uh, <laughs> producing for them at Cal South. We'll continue that conversation throughout. But Carlos is sitting in, and we're talking about the U.S. Men's National Team disaster of 2017. It can't be under. It can't be oversold. Really, it is that big. It's the biggest story of the year, without doubt. Really, it might be the biggest soccer story in the world in 2017, up there with the teams who missed Italy. The Netherlands. Chile. Chile. Holland, yeah. yeah so the that story in and of itself, when it's a World Cup you know, qualifying finishing year and you're getting ready for the draw in early December, which is one of my favorite days in all of sport, and I had to miss it because it was too painful. I slept right through it. But it is that kind of a disaster for a country like Italy, for instance. I, had, I, I was joking. I was doing another radio show the other day, Carlos, and someone tried to be smart about it and tweet in, like, what do you think the U.S.'s chances are in the World Cup? You know, like, how good? <laughs> They're like, joking, because they know we failed. And they want to hit me at Talk Soccer, by the way. Which taking you their do. jabs at you. Yeah, taking their jabs at me on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. And I said, you know, for the first time in our history, we can proudly say we have the same chance as Italy to win the World Cup. Now, that's saying something, because Italy is usually a perennial favorite, right? Yeah. We've got the same chance as Italy to win the 2018 World Cup. So that's progress. No, I'm joking, of course. But th this is a massive story, Carlos. How did we get here, and where do we go from here, though? Uh, it's. I mean, you, you can't really pinpoint one specific thing. No, but it was 10 bad games in qualifying. You're right. It wasn't one Terrible game. games. Terrible games. And that's what happens when you don't start correctly, when you don't really... I mean, you, you can't, you can't play for draws on the road. You can't have this attitude of, you know, trying to figure out you, the way, the same way you try to figure out a group in a World Cup. You can't have the same type of trying to figure out your road through qualifying. I mean, you have to go out there and try to just win every game. Uh, you can't go on the road being scared to go into El Salvador or into Costa Rica or Nicaragua, Honduras, whatever the country may be, even Mexico. You can't have that attitude where you, you either play down to these teams or where you know, or where you, you go in there 
not not ex- not not wanting to get those three points, wanting yeah. to either get one point or or wanting not to get not to lose by more than one goal. Terrible. Yeah, hundred percent correct, Carlos. It's an attitude that has to change, and that has been a big problem with U.S. soccer all along. Is our attitude on many levels? It's going on the road and begging for a point in El Salvador or places yeah. like Guatemala. I get that it's tough. I get it. It's tough to go to those places. The, the fields aren't great. All the bad excuses we've had. Shut up and go win. And the worst part is in Trinidad and Tobago, we're playing essentially their B team, and we only needed a draw. And yet the U.S., with their attitude, was worried about other results going on at the same time, as if, oh, well, as long as they're losing, who cares what's happening to us? That made no sense to me because it did not matter anything going on in any other place. Literally, draw and you're in. Well, it shouldn't matter to anybody. No, but, not it, coaches, but like, not literally, players, it wasn't nobody. like, well, we get a draw and Honduras. It, there was none of that. It was just draw or win and you're in. Go win by four goals. It does not matter. And yet we're on the phone in the stands worrying about what's happening in other countries. Between Costa Rica and Panama. What a disgraceful yep. attitude. You know, like, who cares what's happening over there? We have our, even as bad as we were through all of qualifying, and it wasn't just one game, as Carlos said. You're absolutely right. It was a disgraceful display all the way through. And yet still, just win or draw. That's it. Don't worry about any other team. And there's the problem with U.S. soccer. We're always trying to skate the line. Get into the World Cup. Try to get four points in your group and pray it's enough. Right? We don't need to win our group. We're just hopeful and, and, and happy to just get out of the group. Let's just advance. How about the fact we go to the World Cup, we we battled tooth and nail in one of the toughest groups in 2016, right? Uh, battling with Port- Portugal, losing, you know, losing three points on the last kick of the game, essentially, to get just a draw. Beating Ghana in the last minutes to set it up in the first match. Battling the eventual champions who Germany. destroyed Brazil. Yep. We played them tooth and nail to a 1-0. And were they equal in every way that game? Now, I understand Germany had its different plans. Belgium runs us all over the pitch and can barely beat us in extra time, right? One of the teams that everybody thought was so great. They took Argentina to the bitter end. We are right there. And yet, you see it with Italy. You see it with the Netherlands. You see it with us. you got to be careful because if you miss out, you are not going. And it, it feels like the world's falling on us. Carlos, this is fixable. And it's fixable right now. I mean, you have the you have the talent. There's a lot of young players coming up. Pulisic is a oh, wonder kid for sure, no doubt. Uh, some of these 17 and 19 year olds that we've seen at the U17 and U19 World Cups are really performing uh, to an absolute level that you probably haven't seen in a while mm-hmm. uh, at that level. Um, the promise is there. I mean, you're. I guess look, you're still qualifying in Concacaf. The U.S. has been dominant for a decade in Concacaf. Two decades, three decades, yeah. really. I mean, Mexico and, and Mexico. the U.S. Yeah, but, sure. but, but the U.S. has been very dominant, the, you know, the past 10 years yeah. in CONCACAF. And there's no reason why. That, this should never happen again. This, this, should, oh. this is a blip in the radar. There's no reason why this should ever happen again. Right, 100%. What may happen again is Toronto FC may be in line for a third straight MLS Cup in 2018 appearance. They won in 2017, defeating Seattle in a rematch of the 16 match where Seattle just kind of skated their way through and won on penalties. And Carlos, I firmly believe now Toronto FC, the best team I've ever seen in MLS. Let's talk a little bit about this season from a a positive perspective. We'll get to uh, our LA Galaxy in a moment, but Toronto FC, that is one of the most amazing rosters I've ever seen put together, win or lose in MLS. And they got it done. You know, it's funny because I just went and 
saw MLS Cup again last week. I actually oh, you went and rewatched. I, I kept it. it. Yeah, nice. I saved it. I said, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna make some time and watch this final again, because I could not believe the utter dominance that Toronto had over Seattle. I mean, I could not believe it. I saw it the first time, and I said, no, wait, wait a minute. I have to go back and see what is it that they did. Yeah. How yeah. did they dominate Seattle in such a sound fa- <laughs> sound fashion? Yeah. <laughs> pun, pun intended. Yeah. Um, because Toronto was not looking that good leading up to MLS Cup, and Seattle was. I thought the pressure was getting to Toronto a little bit. Like we were supposed to get there and win. We had by far the best regular season in MLS history, right? They were the favorites, right? The favorites didn't do it last year. All the pressure, and I agree, they were not looking good going into that. Javinko hasn't really played a good soccer match since like September. Yep. And boy, they turned it up in that final dominance. Yeah. And, and again, I analyzed the game. I'm like, what the heck did Toronto do this match? But you know what? Their energy was on for 90 minutes. Yeah. They pressured the ball two and three players at a time. And, you know, after every time you start watching a, a match like that where players are pressuring, you know, two and three players pressuring the ball, you get tired after a while. Toronto, for whatever reason, did not falter at all. Well, especially when you don't minutes. score. The yeah. pressure builds. It's the same script as 2016 you're looking at, right? Halftime, nil-nil. Same thing. You had all the pressure on them. Couldn't quite get it past Stefan Fry, who was standing on his head in the Sounders' goal for the second straight MLS Cup. Yep. Realistically, should be could be looking at two MLS MVP MLS Cup MVPs the way he played, and yet Toronto finally breaks through because they didn't give up. They didn't. It, they never faltered in that whole game. You're right. I mean, they, I, were, they were so dominant after going up one nothing. They couldn't help but. Still pressure yes. Seattle Which and, go, and go for that second goal but anyway. That was brilliant out of former LA Galaxy defender Greg Vanny as the head coach to not just play for the 1-0. Cal South guy. Cal South guy. Beautiful. But it was brilliant because he stuck to it. They kept pressing forward. They knew they needed a second goal to make sure there was no craziness that would ensue. Seattle was unlikely to score. Admittedly, the way Toronto was handling them, but except for just, a fluke goal, yeah, you could you have a fluke goal at any moment. And Seattle had a few corner kicks; they're very good on set. You know, I mean, th- that can happen, of course. So, Greg Vanny was brilliant in that. Changed up the formation going in a little bit to make sure that his team was at peak performance mentally. They had something to focus on. I think that was a brilliant part of it that people don't talk about. Is he changed up the tactics just enough to make sure his players were focused on that and doing their new job, if you will. With a different format. You know what I mean? Instead of just like, okay, we're going to do exactly what we did last year. This time we're just going to win because we were the better team. He tweaks it up enough where everybody is going, whoa, this is like a big tweak here. This formation is different. Is this going to backfire? Put all the pressure on him. Now the players just had to go do it, right? Instead, he put, took the pressure off of them in a sense by changing the formation just enough that it became about Greg Vanny. It was brilliant. And you go back and you watch the game again like I did, and you see players like Delgado and Osorio excelling because of that formation. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. Those are the type of players. We will continue the conversation on MLS and 2017. Unfortunately, some bad news coming out of our uh, local land here with the LA Galaxy. This is Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Home with my special guest, Carlos Torres. And you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Home hanging out with you. Hello. Welcome to the best soccer show in all of radio history here. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us throughout the year, throughout this second season as we march on towards 2018. It's a little bit of a retrospective here today 
2017 in the year of soccer. And I would think of no one better to join me to talk about it than my former podcast co-host back in the days of Three for a Win, if you're familiar with that, Carlos Torres, who's been joining me. Carlos works for Cal South, the biggest soccer organization uh, here in uh, Southern California, of course. And Carlos, you handle all the soccer. You're a marketing guru. You're you're taking care of business there. So you've got some big things coming up with Cal South. Talk a little bit about those. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty excited because it's the 40th anniversary of our State Cup starting here next month. Uh, it started back in 78, and we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be, I mean, try to go out as much as possible, really, uh, to celebrate this uh, 40th anniversary. So that'll be fun. Uh, we also have our National Cup that starts just a couple of weeks after that. Uh, you know, these tournaments. You guys going to win that? Uh, that uh... Well, <laughs> <laughs> what group are we in? Yeah. Um, no, the, I mean, group these of te- death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these teams lead to uh, to regional competitions and then to national competitions. And this is for all age groups, all yeah. you know, men, women, boys, girls. Yeah, from 12 to 19. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it leads, again, like I said, to regional competitions in different states and then to national championships in Texas. And, and you have won a few of those along the way, by the way. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, very proud to say that we're probably the most successful association in the country also, but it's just because of the, you, you mentioned the day, the, the talent that's here in Southern California is astounding, and, you know, we're able to nurture that and and obviously produce players, and yeah, it, it just makes us the most successful association in the country. Now, I kind of stumbled across, uh, because of you, the convention the you know it's a national convention for soccer it goes along with the coaches association i believe and mls does their draft associated with it the super draft that's coming up soon too right yeah i was here in la uh, yeah. you remember that yeah, back absolutely. in january and it'll be in philadelphia next month again in january big deal for us uh we take a booth and we set everything up and obviously we want to promote the cal south brand and cal south name uh like you mentioned the mls draft will be there we're always looking to see what cal south players might get picked um, NWSL draft uh, also happens at this event. It's open to the public. So, hey, if you happen to be in the Philadelphia area around the middle of January, look it up because it's a lot of fun. I'm not insinuating anything with this, Carlos, but I think there are casinos in that area too. The Philly, New Jersey area for you. Yeah. And now. I'm not saying so, so you're going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll go to the convention then, get a little card playing in at night. I'm not saying Carlos will by any means. Now, we had been talking about TFC and the run they had winning MLS Cup, the best team in my estimation in the history of MLS with a tip of the cap to our LA Galaxy in the early 2010s, certainly with some great teams there with Beckham and Landon Donovan and Omar Gonzalez and the like, you know, with, with uh, Bruce Arena coaching us. Certainly would have been interesting to see those kind of matchups, no doubt. There was bad in MLS in 2017, and it really lived in the LA Galaxy jersey most of the year, unfortunately. We have to talk about it. Full disclosure, Carlos and I met while covering the LA Galaxy back some two decades ago at the Rose Bowl. So that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. We've, uh, our, our Galaxy fandom has grown together over the years, certainly. And it was a painful season. There's no two ways about it, Carlos. We were the worst. We now, were just flat out the worst. And when you first started, you said you were angry at me for something. Dave, we're talking about our LA Galaxy. You're sitting here across da, 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 You're sitting across from me wearing another shirt. Da, 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 da. We're going to cut this out here. Dump him. Dump him if we uh, go to this. <laughs> it was a freebie, all right? <laughs> Let's not discuss that. It might ha- the shirt may have an LA at the front and an FC at the back. It may. <laughs> But it was it was the only clean shirt I had. It's the holidays. My oh. wife's been a little under the weather. I don't well, have any clean clothes. I, I can't reach for any more excuses. Save what me an excuse. By moving on, please. Terrible, terrible season for the Galaxy. J- injuries galore. 
Uh, All right. Well, that's going to do it here for our weekend <laughs> summer wrap-up with Carlos Torres. Goodbye, Carlos. No. Yeah, it was a terrible season, no doubt. Are you dumb, brother? <laughs> exactly. I am dumb, yes, and I have no clean clothes. But uh, it, it really it really started from the jump with how they approached the season with Kurt Anolfo and wanting to go young for some reason. I, you know, I understand Robbie Keane. It was time to move on. Landon Donovan has been retired. You know, I get it. At some point, you're going to make a shift. But, Carlos, what were they thinking? Yeah, the, the the talent just, I don't know, the talent just does not, hasn't been translating really for the Galaxy. No. I don't know what the problem is, but that youth has not been translating into consistent talent for the Galaxy. And we've seen it. Uh, we just saw Villarreal essentially be, be let go a couple of days ago. Uh, we saw the, the, bun, the, the all the names that they unloaded during the offseason. Um, Most of them came just, through the Galaxy yeah. Academy, by the way, or at least the Galaxy 2. Yeah. yeah, most of them came through LA Galaxy 2, frankly. But you're right, it's not translating. And the problem became, for me, this is not an organization that rebuilds, it reloads. And I know it's a cliche in sports, but the Galaxy are too big to do what they tried, frankly. I don't understand the logic behind that. Look, you don't have to go spend $50 million every year, of course. And if you want to cut back a little bit financially, I get it. It's the world we live in. It's business. AEG has done nothing but spend money on the Galaxy, so I understand to a certain degree. But to wholesale do that in a time when MLS is on the rise talent-wise, all over the world, right? We're seeing all these guys coming from all over the world, Carlos. You were just overmatched. The Galaxy simply were the worst because we were overmatched talent-wise. But don't you think you have to spend that money, though, now from now on? We can't. I mean, it's become that spending league, and the Galaxy yeah, is going to have to go back. Million, but they do. You're right. They're yes. going to have to go start doing that again absolutely well this they youth, tried it this the other way movement didn't work yeah. no and i'm not saying you go after 35 year old steven gerard i don't like that either how about a guy like ezekiel barco who's on the verge of potentially signing with atlanta united right i know the deal's on again off again now all of a sudden independiente wants 20 plus million reportedly and atlanta was offering upwards of 18 million i understand if mls or the galaxy let's say doesn't want to do that quite there's way too much young talent being signed all over Major League Soccer now for money that the Galaxy can afford, clearly. If these other teams are doing it, where have we been scouting these kind of players? 18, 19-year-olds, LAFC signing the great Diego Rossi, coming out of Peñarol. I've watched him all year. On For some reason, I get a channel that has the Uruguayan Football League, and I've been watching Peñarol. He is fantastic. I mean, he is a an amazing 19-year-old that can play anywhere and LAFC goes and gets them, right? I understand they got to build a franchise. Where's LA Galaxy? Where are they? Where have they I, been? I, I think they're doing it. They got a couple of good signings here. Um, That's a good point. The season ended. They're, yeah, they're, the youngster Shelvick, the twenty-six-year-old yeah. defender. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. So they're starting to to again look for that talent in South America and in some of these uh, deeper European countries because you have to, frankly. Again, and you know what? The big names we're running out of those guys. The, those guys are either getting too old. Or they're being signed up by everybody in Europe, but those those big names, it's it's getting harder to pick those. those That's a one, fair point, actually. You know, a Benzema or or a Van Persie. It's those guys are on the edge, really, of being too old and or being too much money. We're we're running out of those big names to get, so you have to go find the talent somewhere else. Now you mentioned Van Persie; he's been rumored to be. Uh, Maybe L.A. bound, depending on which team on any given day somebody thinks might sign him, whether it's LAFC or L.A. Galaxy. You're right. He's too old, though. Yeah. If you're not playing in Turkey and you're banged up, I don't want you here at 34, 35 years old. I know he was a great player at one point. No question. Way above MLS at the height of his powers. I get it. 
He was one of the best in the world, okay? I mean, but he isn't anymore, frankly. What are you, why even bother with that, Carlos? That's just no way to do business in this current MLS 3.0 or 4.0, whatever you want to call it. It's about young, hungry talent. I just saw an article on MLS Soccer saying, MLS now starting to break into Western Africa. And I thought I to myself, that. where have you been? Yep. Western Africa's been there the whole time with talent that you've been around as a league. And we've had maybe a handful of guys come out of those countries over the, over 20-plus years in MLS. Where have you been? You're just breaking into Western Africa? It's, Africa is ripe with soccer talent on the cheap. But you know what? Give give credit to Atlantic United FC. Oh, and that's, they really yeah. set the standard for finding youth, finding exciting players, obviously throwing money at them and throwing money at your team to make it successful. And they were very successful this past season. Miguel Almiron wins Paraguayan Player of the Year. And the reason was because of the season he had at Atlanta United. That is amazing for a South American youngster to win his country's Player of the Year because of the performance in a, in a league like MLS. That is unbelievable to me. That is a fantastic sign. You're 100% right. We do want to break this down. They did have expansion. Of course, we're going to be talking about our expansion coming up in 2018 here in Los Angeles. That'll be next. But Atlanta United, Minnesota United come in. No disrespect to Minnesota United. They were never going to be able to be Atlanta United right from the jump. That just was not possible based on where they were as an organization. We get it. But they had built up nicely through NASL over the years. Very good fan base. Nice start. Not the worst team in the league. We had that distinction here in Los Angeles, right? So they didn't do terribly. Actually, Carlos, the way it started for them, I thought they were going to be the worst team I've ever seen. Didn't they start like 0-8? Oh, and some horrific loss, like 5-2 yeah. to two to Atlanta United in the snow. I mean, they were getting run over yeah, they were. defensively. Adrian Heath, to his credit, kind of righted the ship, and then they became a little tougher to beat, certainly. Now, they were never going to threaten. So they're building something. That's fine. But it really was about Atlanta United. This is an organization that has rocked MLS to its core with Tata Martino and those young players. Yeah, they have. And then when you look at the contrast between Minnesota and Atlanta, you have to look at the markets. You have to look at the owners. Yeah. And that's why that's where the big difference is between a club like like United and the other United, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, again, a team that's been established versus a team that you can build from scratch and put all the money into it. So the, the differences are there, and they're all going to be there. You have a team coming in, coming up in Nashville. No idea what the team's going to look like. Is it going to be... Is it going to be like Atlanta or is it going to be like Minnesota? You don't know because Nashville, I don't think of Nashville as a huge market yeah. like Atlanta is. So, uh, Building I don't know. their own but, lovely stadium, but again, kind of like 20-some thousand seats. They're not shooting for 40 k a game where you can start to get big money. Let's be realistic. You have to start thinking about that now. Seattle has more money to spend than other teams because they get 40-plus-K in there. And now Atlanta is going to have more money to spend because they have virtually double the size of ticket revenue essentially coming in. And many of those tickets are probably even more expensive. So probably could could be upwards of three times as much ticket revenue as, say, the Colorados or some other teams that maybe aren't, you know, Columbus, although we know their struggles and we wish, that, we wish them the best. Or even a potentially a Nashville. That's a great point. So they have to, they're almost coming in behind the eight ball. In a weird way, MLS needs to be looking at expansion teams as much bit they ought to be shooting for the moon with these teams, right? Go ahead and play in that NFL stadium and get sixty thousand in there in a big market, right? But those markets are drying up too. We've 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 expanded so much, Carlos. Those those markets really aren't even around anymore. Oh, fascinating stuff. We will continue this conversation and we will talk 
LAFC here. Coming up next, Carlos Torres, my guest. I'm Dave Denholm on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. The steely-voiced radio man doesn't lie. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. I'm joined by a special guest. He's really a co-host for this show, our final show of 2017 as we wrap up the year in soccer. My former co-host on the great Three for a Win podcast that we used to do back in the day, Carlos Torres. Now, we've finished up the Three for a Win podcast because because Carlos moved on to get a great job at Cal South, a beautiful soccer organization here in Southern California that runs the game for people from the little kids all the way up to the adults and all the leagues in between. And Carlos, you were mentioning it before early in the show. You got some big plans there with the website. I think uh, am I? I don't want to spill the beans here. You got some other audio plans for Cal South coming up in the near future? Yeah, there's always initiatives we want to obviously you bring to the front and put together. And a new website is coming next year. Uh, there's thoughts of a podcast. Uh, that I'm kind of spearheading, nice uh, because of my love of radio and you know and things like that. Um, just a lot of more programming. You know, we're always introducing programming. We just we're in the second year of our adult stake up. So if you're an adult, like you mentioned, and you have nowhere to play and you want to play in a stake up and maybe advance to a national tournament of some sort, you can go. That's ahead and, awesome. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll have to get the boots back on. Yeah, get them back on. Sweet mercy, maybe I would have can... to be subbed out in 22 seconds running around <laughs> of the field. Do you play on full size fields? Then I'm done. You sure do. Yeah, I'm done. Is it a 90-minute match? It sure is. I can handle about 90 seconds of that, maybe. <laughs> 45 seconds a half, and I'll be like, although, do they do the, like, how are the rules for the adult game in Cal South? Is it unlimited subbing, like, kind of like what we see in a high school situation, or is it just the three subs over the match? Like, it's an interesting, uh, you know, dilemma. I mean, every tournament has its own oh, rules. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're giving me the look like, uh, yeah, yeah like what, I what are you asking up, me like this, I, you idiot? Like I didn't come up with yeah. the rules for this adult stake up. Yeah, you, you may be right there. This is called the transition out of the question as fast as possible. No, no, I would only last about a minute and a half total. So, But that's fascinating, really. Um, oh, by the way, if you're interested, I think you have a YouTube channel or you got some YouTube videos with some great voice that does a lot of that stuff. I, I mean, I've, I've heard the voice before. I don't know who he is. But yeah, you're he, hearing it now because fantastic. Dave, Dave did help. Help us with, uh, with a couple of with some of the videos we've done. We've done club spotlights oh, on certain clubs. We've done championship profiles yeah. on some of the teams that have won stuff. championships. You got some great. I mean, they do a great job, like production wise. By the way, I know you've used the drone a little bit to great yep. effect. You guys do some brilliant camera work and stuff, and some editing. Uh, where can they find those kind of videos? Get more information, that kind of thing. Yeah, everything's at calsouth.com, and we have all our social media channels at Calsouth Soccer. Nice. So you can love find it. this through any social media channel. Love it. What I didn't love about 2017 was the dismal display of our LA Galaxy. Again, in MLS, that can turn around pretty quickly. Thankfully, Siggy is showing some signs of knowing what we need and fixing that defense with a couple of signings already. And th- hopefully they're moving on in the right direction. Still going to need some offense. Things can only get better. Yeah, well, fair enough. Still going to need some offense. I'm not sitting here telling you the Galaxy, Carlos, are going to make the playoffs even in 2018 or jump that high. But there are a couple of factors. You can do it in MLS, right? It's it's similar to the NFL in a sense that teams can rebound quickly. The West is weak, which helps, certainly. I, I think Which was never the case. Which it hadn't been, yeah, no. for years, right? Because, well, because the Galaxy were good. Yeah. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. And we were dragging everybody up with to our level. It turned out the Galaxy were the best at the time, so it made the West tougher as it turned out. Now the Galaxy's struggling. The West is weak realistically so but that's a, a good factor and the galaxy are the galaxy aeg is aeg and they're winners bottom line so we do have hope there what about the new team we shift our attention to a team that's joining mls in 2018 i we're literally in a studio that you can almost see 
LAFC's new stadium from here. If you kind of perch your uh, neck around a little bit, it's not that far. I, like a fat guy like me could walk there from here and has done it before over on the campus of uh, towards USC. If anybody's familiar, of course, with Southern California, but even if you're listening to the podcast around the country, Carlos, this is big. This is huge. And so far, if you're a Galaxy fan, I don't care what anyone says. You can mock them as the little brother or Chivas USA 2 or whatever, all these bad jokes. They're scary. Well, they're scary because they're coming in with the Atlanta United mentality. Exactly. Because now you have to, like you mentioned, Atlanta set such a high bar. You have to come in with that. And they have so many owners that I think the money's there to yep. spend the money. They are going to have a full uh, roster of DPs. They're going to max out their DPs and, and then find the, ne- you know, the next talent at the draft and through, uh, through other signings. But uh, they should be able to compete right away, especially in this Western Conference, like you mentioned. It. Now, it's rare that I'm wrong. You know I'm the most modest man in radio, but I will say it's rare that I'm wrong. So I have to ask you, though, maybe I'm wrong about this. I genuinely believe, and I've talked to people at the LA Galaxy who believe this too. I don't know if they're just saying it right now. It's a good thing for both teams and for MLS to have two teams in L.A. Because both teams, there's a big enough pie that hasn't even been discovered in L.A. for MLS soccer. Like They can both flourish. Well, we've had two teams before here in the past. Yeah, but that, that wasn't even, that was a fake team, really. The way they were running it, let's be realistic, it was yeah. a disgrace. And M- MLS knew that to the point where they bought the team back and now wanted to start LAFC, right? Let's look at it from now we have two realistic teams. They can both succeed. Yeah, in this MLS 2.0 era, whatever it's going to go into, 3.0, whatever, it's it'll be a good thing. The rivalry, it's a natural rivalry, obviously, Um Yes, LAFC is doing their own thing. They got their own stadium. They got their, you know, their myriad of owners. Uh, Galaxy is going to have to compete essentially now with LAFC, uh, where maybe that wasn't the case a few years back. There was nobody who could compete with the LA Galaxy. I think the Galaxy now is looking to compete with yes, LAFC. One hundred percent. What they're putting, with what they're putting together. They were never really in competition with Chivas USA, even though we thought it might turn out that way. Because immediately you're like, well, the fans are going to flock to this potentially. Never happened. So it never was a competition, realistically. It was a minor league team that was in your same city and playing in your same stadium. It didn't even matter. There was no effect of Chivas USA on the Galaxy, other than to make the Galaxy stronger, ironically, just in the sense of like, oh, that's a real organization. You know what I mean? And Chivas USA was never a real organization. I'm sorry. LAFC is, bottom line, from day one. It can only drag both teams up. I really believe that. This market is the biggest soccer market in the United States, one of the biggest in the world. There is plenty of money and power and players who want to play in Los Angeles to go around. I really believe, Carlos, we should be seeing these two teams in the Western Conference Final playing each other very soon. And that'll be fun. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's a dream, right, in a yeah. sense. I've always felt that way, Lakers-Clippers. Yeah. Like You want the Lakers and Clippers playing a seven-game series in the Western Conference Final eventually against each other in the same building. Now, it wouldn't be the same building for our final, but the same city. That's incredible. That'll be the only time I step into this LAFC stadium, just to let you know. When the Galaxy play. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody – yeah, of course, and, and vice versa. People are – I mean, it's – we had it for a brief moment with Chivas USA in terms of the rivalry. It was never – they were never on the same level. And Chivas USA had some nice teams. I don't even mean that. Like, they were actually better than the Galaxy at certain times. Yep. But it was just in terms of organizationally. Now it's like, okay, this could be interesting. Because you, Carlos Vela, right off the jump, let's face it, he is as skilled a Mexican footballer as they have right now. Right? He leaves his team over there on a brilliant note, scoring a goal. He's beloved 
by the fans. They go crazy for that last goal. His teammates mob him. The video's incredible when he scores for Sociedad. In his final game, he's leaving mid-season from a La Liga team. Now, wrap your brain around that. Leaving mid-season from a La Liga team to go to MLS to play in L.A. I mean... I wouldn't have thought that would happen 20 years ago. They're, you know? putting, they're, they're putting some good names together. You yeah. mentioned Diego Rossi, oh. Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman's a good player. Very good. Good trade. Yeah. Good trade. Now they Very paid good. good money for him in terms yep. of it was essentially a transfer with the way the trade went down. It was all gam and tam and yam and all that. But It'll be a lot more fun when I see them, uh, when I see the Galaxy win the series against them this coming season. Oh, man. It is going to be incredible, those games. I really. Yep. And look, LAFC could struggle. They're an expansion team. Like You can't assume you're going to be Atlanta United. Everything went very well for Atlanta United. But Bob Bradley knows what he's doing, too. And let's be realistic. LAFC, I don't know this for a fact. I'm not a journalist here. I'm not trying to tell you that I, like, oh, I dug this up. LAFC essentially beat the Galaxy to Bob Bradley. Let's be honest. I know the Galaxy will tell you, no, we wanted Siggy. We wanted... I don't know that I'm buying that. LAFC beat the Galaxy to Bob Bradley. And I, I fully believe both of them were after him. So it's already on. Carlos, fabulous time, brother. Check out his stuff at, at Cal South. Uh, go to the website. What is the uh, the official? CalSouth.com. Yeah, right? exactly. Check that out. So much fun, dude. This hour flew by. <laughs> yeah, it did. Thank it went you, faster for than the me. year, that's for sure, with the way the Galaxy played in the U.S. national team. So much fun, though. It's always a pleasure. Go back in the uh, – can you find three for a win? Can those people find three for a win back in the day? It's got to be out there still, right? It's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, go find it. What the heck? Who knows what the future holds, Carlos Torres, with you and I? You, you never, never know. know. That's all we're saying. We're not saying – we're just saying. Hey, thanks so much to uh, Carlos Torres from uh, Cal South for joining me, a, a dear friend of mine, and I really appreciate your time, brother. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Dave. Happy New Year. You bet. Thanks so much to Puente Hills Toyota. They are a sponsor. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry at PuenteHillsToyota.com. I am Dave Denholm. This has been Soccer Weekly. We'll see you in the 2018. You've been listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.